the Not So Much The Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies. I'm Kareem. I'm Ari. I'm Kim. And we are here today to talk about the cage. <laughs> oh dear God, the cage. Yeah, you'll notice that there's a definitive pause. Um, so you know how I kept saying and absolutely insisting, yes, I've seen the cage, yes, I've seen the cage? You have yeah. seen the cage. Yeah, I've never seen the cage. <laughs> Well, that's it became <laughs> very clear about ten minutes in that no, I have never watched this. That before. is a completely so. honest mistake to make because everybody has seen most of the cage in because the later the menagerie. Because yeah, they remake it. I know I've seen the menagerie, but I've not seen the cage. So, so if you're wondering, the cage is the unaired Star Trek, the original series pilot that never was officially. And unaired for a reason. Yeah, mostly, for a reason. mostly yes. Yes, before we get started, we would like to say that there, uh, spoiler alert, and you can put in oh, your facts and yeah. noise here, there's not just spoilers for the episode itself, there's Star Trek, uh, Star Trek spoilers all over the place. For all of Star Trek for that ever was, or possibly ever will be, the way that Star Trek is generally done. Including books, because I love the books. Yes. Oh, yeah, Some of the canon is taken from books. Okay, so you've been warned, um, if you have not watched Star Trek before, we'd like to be pleasantly surprised by things that happened in Star Trek, please turn off your ear devices. Hit, hit pause, go away, come back, we'll Spend wait. the next six months binge-watching the entire <laughs> thing, and then come back, and we'll have a nice collection of episodes for you. Actually, I don't know, I think I watched The Next Generation in a crazy tea-fueled week that I had off of work. How good is the work? I don't remember a, a lot of it. My God. Um, it was intense. I just came out of it thinking, Jordy really needs to have sex with someone. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was the lesson I learned. Like, <laughs> poor Jordy. Data has more... Yes, he does. Data has the social Action. skills better down than Jordy ever did. But, I mean, to be fair, he had a bit of an advantage in that they were programmed into him. <laughs> if oh, only we all had it that easy. Fully functional. <laughs> Speaking of men who are apparently fully functional. <laughs> so, the cage is the intrepid adventure of Captain Christopher Pike. I know! Not Kirk. Um, none of the characters that we know and love. Which is confusing, because I remember I, I we watched original series when I was like, quite, quite small, and I thought I had seen all of Star Trek, and then one day they were showing the cage on like Space Channel. Mm-hmm. At like 2.30 in the morning, and I was like, fuck is this guy? That is, I think, what we were all asking. Ourselves. It was crazy backwards universe. Everything was strange, except there was a lady officer on the bridge, so I was okay with this new universe. Yeah. So obviously the cage has some uh, plus sides, and it has some other sides. Yeah, so we start with Christopher Pike, and he's on the bridge, and the only character that kind of stayed on was uh, was Spock, who had the very first mm-hmm. line in Star Trek, yep. which I believe was, check the circuit. His haircut was odd. Did you see his makeup? It looked like they put on, like, silly putty all over his face. Leonard Nimoy looked about 65. Which is funny, because he was really young when this first yeah, episode was made. Really young. No, I thought, I he thought looks that he looked lumpy. <laughs> That was well, probably the silly part. It could have been so much worse because the original concepts for Spock had him, like, he was bright red, he had, like, a shiny vinyl spacesuit, and it tested poorly because apparently the network thought he looked too satanic. That's a quote. Too satanic. So we ended up with this Spock instead, who is still far more emotional than the Spock we eventually ended up He's with. He's like a puppy. Yeah. He's bounding around. Hey, Captain, this it's, thing is this. Let me show you my PowerPoint presentation. His eyebrows <laughs> look affectionate rather than severe. Yeah, the haircut. The yeah. haircut was oh, not a bad haircut. It was a bad yeah. haircut. No Vulcan ever had a good haircut, though, to be fair. 
Uh, the stylized bowl cut I'm kind of okay mm, with. Kind of like sexy runway model of the 1997 variety. So the other important thing on this bridge is that uh, there's a lady, and uh, I love Uhura, but this lady is an officer. That's because she gets to talk. She does. More. She mm. gets to talk. She gets to initiate conversations. She She, she carries the okay, entire no, 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 no. See, that's the thing that I was really upset about, is, you know, a spoiler alert for the rest of the episode, by the way. When she is now captain, because Pike is incapacitated, and all the guy and it's all guys at the table, all mm-hmm. white guys at the table, and they're like giving their opinions, like, oh, we should do this, we should do this, and they all turn to look at her because she's now the commanding officer, and their expression is, any decision you make is going to be the wrong decision. It's all over their face. I, I... I think they're doing some really interesting things. I don't think I ever read it that way. Oh, yeah. I read it more like, there is no good decision to make. So, yeah, I didn't read it as anything she does is going to be wrong. I read it as... It's like you're in an impossible situation. Yeah, which of the the bad... Like, they're all not great decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And which one... It was like... It was more of a... It's up... Like, the vibe I got was more... It's... It's up to you to do the decision. Like, we're all now backing off. Glad I'm not you. Super glad I'm not you. I, I get that, but... The impression that I got from all of them was they kind of said their bit, and all their bit was, like, everyone had the right opinion. Like, again, there's no good choice. Either you can go down and get the captain, which might just be in your head, or you can dick off and everyone will hate you. Mm -hmm. But they all sit back and just, like, their expressions on their faces, and then after it doesn't go right, the doctor, uh, voice comes up and says, essentially, I told you so. I didn't get that there was respect for them at all. No. Um, he was really fratty. <laughs> he was Dr. Despite Sexy the fact that he's like 70 years old. He showed up in like Pike's quarters and like, this is a prescription for a double martini. <laughs> That's not Let's... something McCoy never did. I would like to see where he got his medical license from. Because his Starfleet Academy was uh, looser in those days. Yeah. So basically, okay, so we're on the bridge of the Enterprise. Yeah. And uh, we're going through space. We're doing space things. But, we're doing science. That's no, all the dialogue. No, 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 no. We minutes. start off and there's meteorites. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, we think it's a meteorite. It basically says something is beautiful. And this I always thought was really funny because the red alert immediately goes off because we've just detected, quote, something going the speed of light. Mm-hmm. And they all stop. Red alert. Oh, my God. Something. Something. We don't know what. And it's a radio wave. <laughs> okay. But here's, here's the part that really upset me about that is that the little pilot boy, I called him, like, Paris Light. Oh, my God. The hot blonde. <laughs> oh, Kim. Kim, no. All those bridges should have a hot blonde. He was a hot, beefy blonde. I liked him. Onward is, like, 12. Yeah. He was, like, 12 years old. Anyway. Anyways. So they're all, like, the klaxon is sounding. They're, like, there's something coming towards us. The shields are failing. It's following us. And they all look to the captain, and without any information, like, he doesn't take any, like, input from anyone, steady as she goes. You don't know what that is! I always sort of figured that that was just, like, a weird editing thing, like, it's oh, not supposed to be a weird <laughs> editing thing. Well, yeah, but sometimes it's really obvious. Like, that entire conversation makes sense, and they're like, red alert, object traveling faster than the speed of light. It's a radio wave. Should we get out of the way? No. <laughs> so that's just kind of a mess, let's agree. That That is a, a hard mess. Also, that there are fax machines on the bridge. Yeah, I really, I really love paper. that everything was delivered on paper. Also, I mean, okay, the, to so be cute. fair, to be fair, no one in the 60s could have known about touch screens. In fact, TNG... Yeah, but they did! 
They it, kind of did. They really like, didn't. But after, like, original Trek, there's no paper on the bridge. No, no one is sending isn't. a fax well, We had digital else. screens here. Let me show you my clipboard. 63, not we, a lot of people even access to digital We sat there for three and a half minutes and watched the computer print out that <laughs> sheet of paper. Yeah. Lovingly But, you know, from their point paper. of view, that was, like, cutting-edge technology. It's like, of course, you're still going to have to have paper. They took paper up in the space shuttle a couple of times. Like, honest to God, they still do that, actually, because I think it's a backup. Mm-hmm. But, like, they did the best they could do. <laughs> Which wasn't that great, but they could have. They, they did the best they could do. So uh, the, the the message, the radio wave, is a yeah. stress call. Yes, that a research ship 18 years ago mm-hmm. disappeared disappeared in this region of space. And so they sent a distress saying that they crash-landed on this planet, which is Talos 4, Talos, yeah. which has oxygen and good stuff, mm-hmm. and they request a rescue. And, of course, Pike's first reaction is, Buck nope. them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Well, you, waited, what you waited 18 years, you can wait another. Well, well his actual reasoning is, he does. Well, it's we don't know if anyone's it's alive. Sound. They could all be dead. It's actually sad, bother. because the reason they're only getting the radio signal now is that it took all that time to reach them. Yeah, yeah. but it, that, that was before. Well, but no, what he says is, without confirmation, we can't go off course, because it's, you know. But far. how are you supposed to get confirmation if you don't go off course to investigate? That is a good question. And it would take, it took them all of, I think, because now we seconds. can bend time and travel through space Did you notice that it was the same background? Yes, like on a the loop. There was that one cluster of stars that you just kept yeah. over and over. That was amazing. I think that was probably my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a I don't know, that sexy slave girl dance. They, they do get confirmation, yeah, obviously, because yeah. it's the aliens playing trick on them. And he declares, now we're on a mission of mercy. And well, no, no, no. Before that, he's like, oh, let's let's zip out. And then he's like, I gotta go have a lie down. That was too much <laughs> captaining. Yeah, so here comes up one of the, I'd say, the most bizarro scenes. <gasps> oh, where we get sexy bed reclining type? <laughs> where he, like, lovingly <laughs> stretches out. We get a full body pan. If someone's coming That's to, my like, second favorite part of the episode. <laughs> You know what? I the way that this could easily be read because he goes and he reclines sexily on his bed and then comes in Doctor Boyce who poses sexily against a table and they're standing on opposite sides of, of his quarters, sort of posing sexily. And I'm like, did I remember this wrong? And then they actually added martinis to make it yeah. here. It's like, what are you mixing? Drinks. There is some weird sexual tension in that scene. I think it's weird. I think it's really, really obvious sexual tension in that scene. It's like. People say stuff to their bartender that they don't say to your doctor. Um, you can have sex with both, apparently. <laughs> and then they talk about the disaster at, is it Rigel? Rigel, yeah. Close enough. Rigel 7. A planet. A planet. Yep. That things went terribly wrong. And this was like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, which is the reason why he just kind of like speeds past... Um, Potential survivors who've been waiting for 18, 18 years. years for a rescue because they have to go. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> no, they're delivering medical supplies somewhere. No, no, no. He said we got to get them to have medical attention for our people. Um, oh, which... right. They were going to swap out uh, wounded crew for fresh. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is funny because when we get the look into his head at what happened there, um, <laughs> He basically went to a really bad there, there's, <laughs> The worst friend fair. There is a quote um, where he says, I should have smelled trouble as soon as I saw the swords and armor. 
<laughs> and the doctor's like, oh, you couldn't have, you couldn't, you couldn't have. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, you could have. Well, especially from what we see of uh, him going back <laughs> to there. Was, it's like, yeah, I would have looked at that guy and gone, yeah, okay, trouble. Let's go back to the ship. Yeah. That's, oh. that's immediate surrender. And, like, he has, a, like, a pep talk with the doctor. The doctor's like, you're the greatest captain that ever was. But you need a goddamn vacation. Yeah, it wasn't, you treat everyone on board, direct quote, like a human being. Like that's that's the bare minimum. I would think and so. And it's not even true. <laughs> it's yeah. not even true. I mean, actually, that could be offensive. I mean, we don't know how many people on the crew are actually humans. Spock's not human. Spock's not, not human. human. But he's the only one that we see that isn't human. But he's also, we're also not actually told what he is at this point. He could just have a test trainer. He's, he's just, just a guy with pointy ears. With haircut and pointy ears. Yeah, they um, hadn't really figured out Vulcan's yet at this no, point. No, I have another, for a while. I have another question. Let's put this on the burner for a while. What is Spock's job? He's a science officer officially. Do you learn that in this episode? No, I don't know. He's no, in, I don't know. He stares and looks at screens while does. posed in an arty position. <laughs> that is true. And is it the circuit? Check the circuit. <laughs> officially, it, in Memory Alpha and on the MV, he's listed as a science officer. Yeah, in but, the original series, and we talk about it a little yeah. bit. But in this pilot, I have no idea what he does. Well, in the later series, he's kind of the first officer, too. It's yes. unclear. They hadn't really worked yes, out the right. They also think he's a terrible first officer for like the first two and a half seasons. Yeah, that's true. So basically, they the entire correct. show. Yeah. They yeah. Um, anyway, he's an officer. He's anyway. So let's get back to it. So then Pike says, "Oh, I'm tired of being captain." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. It's okay. We'll bust you down. The first officer is totally fine. <laughs> Soon we'll be. He'll be in a box. Don't worry about it. Tired of being responsible for 232 lives. I'm just tired of the responsibility of deciding who lives and who dies. And he's considering resigning, basically. Which he should. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He should. Well, he's, as it turns out. He should quit. He should quit. He's not good no. at his job. No. He doesn't want to be captain. No. Like, I think in Trek, we get captains at certain points who are resentful of how the position has shaped their lives like they're cut off from certain things they're unable to kind of explore other interests they're the captain they have to be constantly responsible and they, mm-hmm. they are they are they their decisions are life and death decisions for their crew mm-hmm. like i think um kirk in the episode where he's all alone and like cussing out his ship saying you mistress you yeah ruin my life and um and the fact that janeway just like never bangs chakotay <laughs> I think that was a solid lesson, but we will get there. We will get there. And I think Picard every once in a while is like, well, I, I can't I can't be my brother. I can't have my brother's easy life. I can't bonk Beverly as much as I want because I have to be captain. Even when captain, he goes captain. after Rice to try and just like read his uh-huh. book. He is really so bad at Rice. He can't do it. He is always It's a very bad. short rope. There is some short, short. Now, does this, like, because I haven't seen all of DS9, does Cisco ever have a moment where he's just like, you know what? I could just be a manicure. Cisco never really did the cold and distant captain thing. Although he was not a captain when he takes command of the station. He's a commander. He does also have the added pressure of being the religious leader of an entire <laughs> planet. And he's so, got a kid, which, which he also he's the only he captain. He does express frustration with that part oh, yeah, of it. Absolutely. But he, he never really did the separate and distant thing at all at any point, except when he was trying to, to separate himself from the Bajorans, when he's like, I have to be a Starfleet officer now. Could you back off? But I don't think any captain at any point is just like, I hate my no, job. No, no, because they're all like, I'm really lucky I work for 
hard. Because they want This guy, on the other hand. This guy. I'm so tired of being captain. It's, it's so like they hard. They promoted him and he went, fine. <laughs> they promoted him from space janitor, as far as I can tell. He has no other applicable skills. Um, and then there is this weird part where he talks, where the doctor's like, like, what do you want to be? And he's like, oh, I want to, like, I could be on my my horse riding he speech horses. Advice. Oh, he either wants to go home and ride horses or, or become a pirate. Not even become a pirate. So the uh, doctor's talking to him. He's like, you have to relax. He's like, oh, man, no, I should, I should retire. So he's like, retire. Maybe I could, like, go back to my home. He's from Mojave. We get to that. It's no, interesting. I know he says that, but I don't believe him. I'm hanging with my horses. Or, or, or I could be a pirate with green animal woman slaves. Those are his two options. It is on the doctor's the one who says that actually. Well, it's 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 like the fantasies of a twelve year old boy. I'm gonna yeah. be a cowboy or a pirate. <laughs> that's okay. That's not actually how the conversation goes. That's really that's pretty no. much how the conversation He says, goes. or I could be a pirate. And he's joking, and the doctor's like, "What with green animal women slaves?" Yeah, and he's, he's like, saying, "Oh it, yeah, in yeah, a dis- yeah. You're dressed like Shazam." He's saying it in a dismissive way. I don't know. I it, like a scornful it way. It's like weird. obviously you cannot be a pirate. That is ridiculous. It got weird. But anyways, moving forward, we go back on deck. They decide to go visit because um, they have actually now gotten a follow up message. They've gotten the follow up message, and there's stars and music and a montage again as they go to this planet. Spock's really excited about going to this planet. <laughs> yeah, so excited. He's excited about everything. And then, and then. Yeoman Colt comes on board, and she's a young... Ginger Yeoman. Ginger Yeoman comes on board and gives him a message that previously he has asked for. His response to her showing up on the deck... He's, what are women doing on the bridge? (laughs) And she's like, I have the info you requested. Also, this is my job. And then she leaves the bridge, and he's like, I just can't get used to girls on the bridge. Which is bizarre. Completely bizarre thing to say. No, because this is an episode with a lot of casual sexism. It is. And then, well, but then, have, then he turns to Majel Barrett. No, Majel Barrett, you can hear her yeah. whip around and glare <laughs> at him. You can see her. The camera goes to her, and it's very clearly the worst. The show is saying, that is obviously not cool. Look at her face. And he's like, oh, I didn't mean you, number one. No. And she's like, oh, well, that's too bad. I'm going to kill you with my eyes. He says, oh, not you, Lieutenant. I don't You're think. different, of course. Yeah. And then her face. face was a girl. Her face is murderous. No, it's <laughs> heartbroken. Yeah, she's crushed. She is crushed. Like he is the most unsympathetic character yeah. in this entire episode. Mm-hmm. She really is. They keep saying that she's like this cold, calculating machine. Like she eventually evolves into the Spock character or devolves. I'm gonna say devolves. Yes, yeah, you heard it here first. Gorgeous. Um, into the Spock character. But she is actually the most sympathetic. Oh, and I absolutely. think the most expressive out of all of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, she's she gets the most development of all of the other characters in this episode. Most of the rest of them didn't even get a name. Like, no. Hot she doesn't get a name either. She's number one. But hot. Spock's just there to, like, do what she says, which is an excellent job. Good job, Spock. Well, he's the, the, the space puppy. And, and the Pike. Hot blonde stereo guy. She's hot blonde, blonde stereo yeah, That's his he whole just, job. She does not have Pike's a name. Just, or a Pike's just an archetype. He doesn't really do anything else. That's all he does. He doesn't really have 
much in the way of personality. We get stuff about what has happened to him and where he comes from, but he nothing about a, him. He's a petulant man boy. He's a petulant man boy, but I contend yeah. that that is so common that it is basically a default archetype without any actual personality. But in this episode, the pilot episode of what yeah. is essentially a combination between an old like Navy story and a war, like a World War II epic. I don't think it's even that. It is. I don't think it's it even is. as sophisticated as that. I, I, it takes a lot out of like ratio hornblower and like the well, it also takes stories. The, it also takes like Pike is very archetypal for old space opera sci-fi, like old forties and fifties space opera pulp, yeah. where you have these incredibly flat male characters, who and are women flat. are just like throwing themselves yeah. at him. And the, the these for characters, no reason, but these characters are, and it's not good writing, but these characters are very flat because they're there for you to project your bullshit onto. Right. I and think that Pike does have a character, just because he spends so. a lot of the time whining. Oh yeah, he has, he definitely has a character, and it is yeah. a child. But in the sense that he gets no development and doesn't really change throughout the entire I think episode. He does. Like he, he, does he learns the value of anger. <laughs> I think he already knew that. I'm pretty sure he already knew that because that's how he escapes the monster yeah. on Rigel. But he yeah. can explore it and learn to embrace it. I think he also gets that he is the leader, the best captain that ever captained, and uh, he, he should be captain forever. Yeah, except I mean, for he got, he's not. He successfully got rescued by people he occasionally leads, therefore he's a great captain. And he rescued them in turn through the power of being the second most competent officer on the ship. Oh yeah, that's the best part. So he gets his away team together, um, which is uh, man, 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 and me. So all the dicks are going down on this planet. And again, oh, this was this was like this this was was me awful. This was yeah, like number one, the best officer on the ship. You stay here. It's not because you're a woman or anything. It's just you're so special. Well, okay, okay. Oh. Here's some background to explain why this is awful. But uh, Roddenberry wanted for 50% of the cast and 50% of the crew to be visibly female. And the mm-hmm. network basically went, you can't do that. They'll think they're only there to have sex. So basically, <laughs> yeah, seriously, that, that swear to, to God. Swear to God, they were like, the audience will just think that they're there, like, partying in their quarters at best, and at worst, they'll think they're there for prostitutes. And this is the most insane thing I thought I had ever read. It, there's crazier things. But basically, Roddenberry wanted there to be a 50-50 gender split, but he wasn't allowed. This was literally as many women as he was allowed to film in pilot. Well, it's very odd, because we see, I think, three. We see the yeoman, we see number mm-hmm. one, and then when they're reading something off, there is a woman who is sitting there who is essentially set decoration. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't do anything. She just sits at her console. Well, because he wanted, he was like, I want to have at least one more woman, and that's what he can get away with. There's so much of that in the in, in original series. Like, for every single horrifying thing, you can look back and go, oh, okay, because this was 10% of what he wanted to do, and this was all he was allowed to do. Yeah, it's interesting. You also notice that the bridge is a lot wider. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, 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 so much. That stood out to me. That, that like, it was glaring how yeah. which white is, everybody Which is horrifying, was. considering there's really only two people of color in the original series later. Yeah. But, like, he had to make trade-offs, because number one was taken away because that meant that he could have Sulu, and it meant that he could have Uhura. Interesting. Yeah. Very, like, very interesting. You, you got to keep... They were like... They thought Spock was too alien, which is hilarious, because he's really quite human in the first episode. Yeah. And they thought, Majel Barrett, well... We will let you have the guy with the pointy ears, but having a female first officer is just going too far. That's crazy. You also know, it's like, I noticed in the background characters as well, there's one Asian gentleman in the transporter room, mm-hmm. and that is yes. it. Yes, yes he is it. one of two people it takes to operate the transporter <laughs> Because, system. of yeah. course, 
Yep. Well, I mean, to be fair, they actually had physical buttons and shit, so it's probably you, you also know she doesn't say a word. Nope. No. No. The other, he doesn't even get to nod at the other guy. The no, other guy there's nothing. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I wanted to go back to Pike being a dick to number one <laughs> on the bridge. Yes, let us. Uh, the thing that struck me about that is that she's a lieutenant. He's saying, you know, you're the most experienced officer on the ship. And I mean, technically yeah. she would be because she's the first officer. She's only a lieutenant. Yeah. She's not, like, that. They hadn't really... Well, I mean, I know it's early days, and they hadn't worked out the command... They probably hadn't figured out the command structure and everything, but there's... In the Navy, there is a big leap between captain and lieutenant. There is, like... Not that Starfleet Starfleet rank structure exactly mirrors Navy rank structure, but... if you were doing, like, a pilot episode, you would assume she would be a high rank. I also love how it's like, you're the most experienced officer here. Shouldn't you be the most experienced? Well, the other possible explanation is that all the other officers were, like... on the ship? The other possible explanation is that all the other officers got killed on Rigel. By the swords. Anyway, <laughs> I, it, it, he almost goes as far as to, like, pat her on the head. And again, her face. Well, I think that later on, when the choice comes down between abandon them on the planet or save the ship, she's you can see her thinking, well, no one will ever talk to me like that again. So uh, I really enjoyed that Spock's choice was, let's just abandon yeah. him. We're <laughs> out of here. He's illogical. <laughs> well, but he isn't. But I, the thing is that that's actual protocol. It's very funny because I didn't think anyone liked him that much. Like, he's the captain, but there's no affection. He's No, he's not very likable. No, no I don't he's think very, very likable. The only person who seemed to like him was the doctor, and it's mostly because the doctor needed a drinking buddy so he wasn't a sad, lonely alcoholic. Yeah. But again, I mean, that's a lot of, like, old sci-fi pulp stuff. It's like you don't get a lot of, like, you don't get kitchen table. And even original series didn't have a lot of kitchen table at all, but, but they, they had, had the more later. They did later. No, I find in the original series there's a lot more camaraderie between oh, Yeah, they did later, spot. but not in this episode. They hadn't established no, anything. Everything was no, messed. No, later on, later on they did. But the original episode, the very first pilot, was like, they had no idea what they were doing. We'll they didn't there. know what they were making. We'll get there. But I, I just got the impression that everyone on the ship hated him. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I hated him, too. And like, oh, no, Captain. What a been shame. I guess we have to get him back. Anyway, the options are rescue him or, or not. leave him. And it would so be all the dicks go down to the planet. Yes. <laughs> and my, I actually, my favorite part of this episode, no word of a lie, is when they get down to the planet and there's that weird like exorcism music. Ooh. Oh, and Spock just walks up and touches the planet. But my favorite part is that they go over to the and they stop it and it, the flowers making music. And that was like a really good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was really, really cool. That. I absolutely love that. I really yeah. love that. Three of them go over and his little face. Yeah. Yeah. They all grab different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and they're like, oh, oh, oh that was Spock's little face. So excited about stars. I thought that was like the best. Sci-fi it was the purest sci-fi yeah. moment in the entire yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so they stumble across the survivors and they're dressed in like rag chic and like fishing nets uh, for my, some reason. My notes have um, the the skirt that what's her face Vina <gasps> is it's wearing. It's made of fishing net. It's made of fishing net. It's very Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? The costume design in that I thought was really good. It, it was. looked like they had been like surviving on yeah, whatever. Absolutely, very credible. Except for her top. I don't know where that came Ooh, from. Yeah, that was really. It was like she's wearing white. this. She's wearing this skirt made out of like rag yeah. nets or whatever, and then she's wearing like this perfectly tailored blue yeah. blouse, and her hair is perfect. And by the way, where is she getting blue eyeshadow on the Crash Planet? Chemistry, chemistry. I'm sure, sure. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. Okay, I'll get her makeup. I'll buy that. Fine. Sure. Yeah. So there's all these old guys. They're like in their 
70s. And they bring forward this beautiful blonde The one woman, hot girl. The one hot girl. There are no other women in this crew. Which they is already unsettling. Fast. Yeah. yeah, but before really you even unsettling. have a moment to go, okay, but where are all the lady scientists? Because they, you know, obviously had to have at least one. Because they talk about her almost like she's a daughter. Yeah, they yeah. Do. well, they're like, she was born almost as we crashed. Yeah. So she was basically... So where, where, where... Where are all the other ladies? ladies? Where is any woman? Yeah. They all died off mysteriously. But before you have time to settle out. down from how unsettling that is, she immediately turns to Pike and says, you're a prime specimen. <laughs> and then you're like, okay... Creepy feeling in the but back of my neck. Here's the thing, Ari. He is into it. Yeah. He doesn't say a word. No. He just stares at her. And everyone else is looking around going, like, did she whoa. just say prime specimen? He's like, oh, she's been raised by scientists. <laughs> Nonetheless. And again, by the way, the entire crew of the Enterprise are scientists. None of them are going around, you're a prime specimen. Not once. Um, but again, yeah, he's into it. He just yeah. stares at her. He doesn't say a word this entire thing. And then she's like, oh. She, well, she's whammying him, right? They're like, I to, to a certain that degree. Gilligan's Island skirt is pretty, uh, yeah. pretty alluring. He hasn't seen that much ankle in like 18 years. <laughs> but so she's, he's like, how come you guys are in such good shape? Because the doctor's like, these people are in perfect condition. Yeah. And she's like, let me tell you my secret. Her name is Vina, by the yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And she takes him off to see like the miracle anti-aging cream. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. How do you all look silly? Yeah, because even the old scientists, everyone's like, you guys all look like you're in really good shape for having been abandoned on a planet for like 18 years. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, well, there's a secret to that. And then, yeah, she takes them off to the L'Oreal factory. And then she suddenly disappears. (gasps) And then we back up. And on a screen, there are two beluga brain aliens. (laughs) They were amazing. They were like the most classic sci-fi aliens of all time. Uh, Watching them. And these are the Telosians. And I'm pretty sure. And the zookeepers. My favorite part about that is that the rocks that they, like, they go to the little factory to look at. He's so stupid. (laughs) Here, let me separate you from the pack and take you to this abandoned place, which looks like pride rock. He thought he was going to get some. He... She could have space disease for all of you know. Yeah, this is not very good Starfleet protocol. Also, she's 18. She's 18. It's okay. She's legal. She's 18. Gag me. Anyways, and then the uh, beluga brains come out and, like, whammy him with a magic wand. Or something. Yeah. So, uh, Pike wakes up. Mm -hmm. And they've tucked him in, which I thought was very sweet. (laughs) They're very caring aliens. Yeah, he's, like, he's in a mysterious bed with a shiny blanket. and They've, like, lovingly tucked him in. I guess. Mm. And uh, he immediately freaks out because he realizes he's in some kind of, like, cell with a clear mm-hmm. wall. And the first thing Pike does is throw himself against the divider. Okay, the best part is, is that these Telosians have giant brains, so they have no need to communicate with, like, words. Yep. Which somehow Spock figures out from a PowerPoint presentation. Well, Spock is Spock. Uh, nope. I have um, notes about that. We'll get and to they're like, oh, look at the little prime specimen. How sad and primal is he? And he throws himself against the glass. No, no, no. Right. First they say, oh, look, he's going to show us a demonstration of his strength. And, and then, then he stops. He, he immediately. Well, no, no, that he does that first. Hilarious. That was very yeah. funny. That was amazing with them narrating, like, every yeah. action he was going to do. But then he hears them. And he hears them. And then he keeps does No, no, no. He hears them. And then he stops. And he stops. Yeah, he stops. And then he still throws himself at it. But. Oh, that was the best. And it was just like, it just completely, was so flummoxed. He didn't know what to do. Just I know. Completely These are, by the way, back. extremely small cages, because this is an entire hallway of, like, yeah, cages. Yeah. Of it's a menagerie. They're very small will. cages. They are terrible. Oh. They are terrible zookeepers. Okay, my favorite part about that is you're like, what is the way out of this cage? <laughs> that is the point of a cage. <laughs> there is no way there out. Is, there, there is. 
No way out. Well, he says there's, there's a cage. There's uh, there's a way out of any cage. No. Anyway, I actually so, don't read it that way. That he doesn't know what a cage is? No, no, no. That, like, he's just being all stupid and calm. I think he's playing them. I always figured as he was playing them. I think his first reaction is to try and break his way up, which was pretty dumb. But then he realizes that they're like, oh, well, he's a stupid primal ape. He is. He's going to do this. And he stops. And, and he does. thinks, okay, this is what right. they think of me. And then he starts trying to figure it out. I will admit that his problem-solving skills in this particular instance are not terrible. He does... <laughs> I love the way you begrudge Because as soon as they him. start referring to him as, like, violent and primal, he calms right the fuck down. And, like, yeah, he's got... The way the way that I always read this is that, okay, he's made first contact, and now he's following, like, first contact script, because he starts talking in a very measured way, like... I'm this person from this ship, from from the Federation, blah, blah, blah. Was he from the Federation, or was he from the United States? No, nope, United, uh, United Spaceship. They never oh, say United okay. States. Oh, okay. I heard United States. They don't, that's true. I don't think they explicitly mention the Federation, because I don't think they figured that out yet. But he starts, like, rattling off like it's a first contact script. And I think he starts talking like he's a prisoner of war. Yeah, exactly. Um, interesting fact about the Telosians. They're all played by women. Yep. Because they wanted oh. their bodies to look weak. Yeah. Oh. So, they, they, so they put little tiny skinny women and give them giant heads. Yeah. So that their brains, because their brains had developed so much that they let their physical selves go to nothing. And yeah. then they altered they um, altered the voice of the main one to make it sound more mm-hmm. masculine. But they come out of this encounter and the aliens have basically dismissed him as stupid. And, and they're right. Yeah. But, basic, but the way that you look at his face when they sort of turn to walk away and, bas- and you can see him going, okay, so they think I'm stupid. Now they're going to underestimate me. And then that scene ends. Yeah. Which is actually what they end up doing. They do completely underestimate him and all the other humans, too. They underestimate how violent they are. They misestimate them. They they mm-hmm. they, they, they misjudge them, basically. Yeah. So, back up on the ship, they talk to new number one in charge. Who is already being more competent than Pike. Oh, so competent. Well, she does take a lot more input rather than Pike. And we have the little... This is where the PowerPoint presentation has. And the crew immediately figures out the illusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Spock has like a drawing of them already. And Spock's like, we saw what we wanted to see. He touched them. And and they basically... I think think the way we're supposed to read this is, oh, well, they're so smart and scientific, they just inferred this. But really the way it looks is, okay... Who told you, Spock? Uh, yeah, PowerPoint is an exceptionally <laughs> powerful tool for organizing your office in the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the 60s, it was the future. Mm. They would have thought PowerPoint was impossibly futuristic. Fair enough. So, I want to know who did the sketch of the alien. Thank you. Thank you. That's weird, right? They yeah. Them immediately. Yeah, like, who, did the, who drew that picture? I want to know. Somebody who's down on the planet. I'm assuming Hunky Blonde. Hunky Blonde Pilot. You could be, could be. Anything. Absolutely yeah. anything. I'm very sad he's gone after this episode. No, he comes back, doesn't he? Does he? I feel like <gasps> he's in future episodes. Oh, he's got, like, so a great. hell of a job. So great. Um, so oh, make, they make the decision to try to use the ship's power to, like, blast through to this thing. Even though the doctor's like, well, they can make our brains think anything. Like, they can create illusions in our brains so that we think that anything is real. So, in many ways, we can infer that even the ending of this is still in their heads, and they're trapped in the ship, slowly wasting away. That's actually kind of vaguely suggested in Menagerie. Good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, back to Pike, and what's happening... Oh, is, I hate this part. It's so boring. I love this. I found it incredibly boring, because basically what this is, is he's in his cell, and they put him into an illusion with Nina. Yes. And he's back on Rigel, 
and he's reliving his traumatic experience the weeks ago. <laughs> the worst I find it incredibly ever. boring. Um, it's like, look, a human. You've got a damsel to rescue. Go. It is an actual just straight up damsel in distress. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? She's even dressed in like Renfair clothes. Yeah. yeah. She actually contributes more to the killing of the giant Viking in the pepper pot mm-hmm. hat yeah. than he does. Yeah. yeah, because she's taking it seriously. And he's like, this is an illusion. I'm not going to play. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, she's like, they can still injure you. Yeah, so these are actually. Like, they won't kill you. Like, feel the pain. Now, my favorite part about this is that Rigel 7 is the planet where some of the actual crew members died. So we get to actually see what happened on this planet. Yeah. Um, Sorry. It is really his fault. It is really totally his fault. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you walk into that castle and you go, oh. We should leave. We should go immediately. We're going to go. Immediately. Transport us out the fuck of here. (laughs) Yes. And then there's some awful, awful things because she's trying to convince him to go through with this fantasy. Yeah, because he instantly goes, this isn't real. Yeah. And she's like, you have to do this or else they're going to punish us. Yeah. And he's like, but it's not real. And she's like, pain still hurts. But the way we're supposed to read this, I think, is humans are so smart. Except in reality. <laughs> and she's got this awful dialogue. Although, by the way, I want to stop here a moment and say that this is the least scary monster we ever see on Star Trek. He's, he's a giant. He's like a like tall guy with a beard. Well, he's very tall. Yeah, but he's not scary. But he's very tall. He is he's very, very tall. tall. He yes. has a very imposing mustache. He's like he's a dude in short shorts and a tank top. Thank you. And, and a giant pepper pot hat. I found him completely unimpressive, and I, my suspension of disbelief is real low. I'm sorry, but every time they cut away from him and we heard the, the added sound effect of him yeah. growling and yet never seeing him move his mouth, it was amazing. <laughs> amazing. I just kept laughing. I was laughing too hard to be frightened. The problem that I have with that, again, is that we're supposed to understand that that guy killed, like, seven people? He's got the tiniest little shield! He's got a tiniest little shield! They have guns! He doesn't even really have they a weapon! They have lasers! Yeah! It's like, like how? How does he fight with a sword? Yeah! It's like, um, in Indiana Jones, you know, where they've got the guy who's got- Gun to a knife fight! And then he just- Bam! Like, why- Why would you engage- I never understood that. Like, what the hell? Well, how did they get- You have phasers! Did they throw themselves at his Honestly, sword? Yeah. They were probably enjoying the rent fair. Like, <laughs> and then this guy shows up. And this guy shows up on a rampage. That is my It's also like tiniest kind of shield, fakest looking knife in the history of time. The one that Pike picks up, not uh, mm. the one. And I know we like criticize Shatner's fighting technique, but Ooh. Shatner knew how to stage fight though, so at least it kind of. This is like I actually you know what? And kicked a guy with two. I'm of two minds. Yeah, but I'm of two minds on this one about yeah. Pike's fighting here. On yeah. the one hand, I really enjoy it when fighting looks inelegant and, and and terrible because that's how people really fight. But on the other hand, he's supposed to be in a paramilitary organization. Surely he has been taught how to fight. He does grapple very manfully. He's really bad at it, though. It's so clumsy and terrible, and it's like, A, the worst weapons in the world. B, you suck at this. He falls down at least three or four times. I, for one, like, trips over extremely disappointed that Pike's shirt did not fall off. <laughs> That was Kirk's domain, though. I don't. Well, who's the shirt themed? No, he doesn't. He themed the shirt in the whole. I'm pretty sure that was. I'm pretty sure that was just written in Shatner's contract, though. He did have such gleaming pecs they could not be contained. Anyways, after this, Bean is like, oh, I, I'm here to please you. I can become anything, anything you want to dream. To be Let fair, me please you. To be fair, he is actively grossed out by this once she starts talking like this. I will give that to him yeah. nominally. So she starts talking all, let me please you. He's actively creeped out by this because she's all, let me be whoever you want me to be. And he's like, science. i got to do science now. So, she must be so irritated. She is, because essentially what she's saying is, 
we our experiences they go into your memory and they bring things out and you relive them and then the aliens use that like heroin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get high and get off of and essentially if yes. we don't do that if we don't they'll punish them, us they'll punish us and we do get an example of them punishing him, and he thinks his hands are melting, and he goes to hell. And that was pretty brutal, actually. Yeah. That was kind of terrifying for me. Yeah, that, that was that actually was the first genuinely scary thing in the episode. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was, like, that was genuinely, oh my god, that is like, terrifying. Yeah, that's actually that. the first, like, because before that, I don't think they had actually punished him until that point. They like, punished she, her. They punished yeah. her. But he doesn't see anything that she's seen. No. We see her, like, in pain, but we don't actually see what she's seeing. And that's the first moment where you're like, oh, that's what they mean by punish you. And then it's seven more stakes or something way higher. Yeah. And so the crew is trying to rescue him, but we go through a couple of different... Yes, back on the ship, we get... What did, what did I have here? Uh, number one on the case, let's bring a bigger laser. Love the goggles. Sound oh, thinking. I love the goggles! Can I, also, can I also say how much I fucking love the away team uniforms in this episode? Oh, they throw on a jacket! They throw on a goddamn jacket. They have, like, a very sensible tool belt. Yeah. Everybody's wearing pants. And the goggles they put I on love the, the goggles. goggles. So goddamn sensible. Absolutely. We're going to bring a giant laser, and we're going to wear safety goggles. Because okay, we're but, scientists. But but the jackets are done through Velcro. Yeah, well. I really like the away team. They're practical, and they're not just there to show people off. They're trying. But they tried the bigger laser, and essentially the doctor's like, well, who the fuck knows if it works? Because <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they're just going to make us pretend that we just... very sensible. Well, it's, it's, it's true. Um... And then we go back, and Pike and the alien. I also are really happy. like number one's blue, blue nail polish. It matches. <laughs> I enjoy that. Everything was blue. Everything was blue. Um, where Pike and the Telosian are having like a tete a tete, and essentially the Telosian is like, "So we need you to have sex with her. Um, we want babies. We would like babies." And Pike lets. Oh, this is one of my favorite lines in the entire episode. He's like, "We cannot have." A husband-wife relationship. <laughs> husband-wife relationship was amazing. <laughs> I wonder if that was, a, like, as racy as they were allowed to go. I wonder if there were, like, specific vocabulary words they were not allowed to use. Yeah, I would like to see how that started off in, like, the very first draft. I would love to see the original I cannot bang. <laughs> there will be no banging. And that got modified finally to husband-wife relationship. Later on, we do actually see the word sex appear more than once. So I can only assume do that... We? Yeah, when? not when? in this episode, not in this episode, but oh. later on in the series. The word does exist, so, yeah, it does. I'm pretty sure they refer to it as husband-wife. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the, in the episode they definitely yeah. do. And then the aliens try to, like, entice him to have sex with Zena by taking him to his ranch in the Mojave. Okay, yeah, so this is, okay, aside, this aside, is a world-building yeah. thing, right? Okay. Where we act, it's the only time in the episode that we see Earth or reference a specific place on Earth at all. Okay. And it's basically Pikes from Mojave, which I believe is California. It's a desert in our, in, it is in a our desert. time, but basically, the my assumption has always been this is post terraforming. So, like, the climate of the earth has drastically changed. Yeah, like they've terraformed the desert because reasons. I mean, there's been a couple of world wars between now and then. Look, they've terraformed Mojave, so there's grass and trees there now, which I thought was really interesting. And in fact, you see city in the distance. And it's acceptably futuristic looking. I was more more interested in the horses because they were pretty. The horses were also pretty. His, like jean jacket. There's so oh, much oh, denim in original series. It's amazing. The 1960s of everything he was wearing and like the back view of like him. They looked like a Sears catalog clothes. picture. 
And her constant insistence on him picking up that stupid coffee canister from the horse. The he plaid. never gets the coffee. The plaid coffee canister. You never really get the coffee. Uh, like, she was asking for the coffee. The least you could do was bring coffee. Especially since she's like, if you don't do this for me, like, they are going to punish me. You know what that's like. My Okay, my second favorite line of this entire show is it comes up at this point. Have a chicken tuna sandwich. <laughs> Your mother's recipe. <laughs> that is disgusting. Your mother hated you. Do chicken salad or do tuna you salad? You can't do you both. Can't. That's like an unholy union. Oh, maybe so this is like well. an avatar where they actually have chicken tunas. We don't know. There's been no, a couple I of I rewound it. I rewound it a couple of times. They're like, no. No, I mean, maybe it's a new animal that we just don't have yet. No. Yeah, no. No. She makes chicken tuna sandwiches because she hates her son. <laughs> and he takes it out on everyone. So I want to note that right before this happens, he's figured out that they cannot read their minds when they have, and I quote, primitive emotions. Ooh. Like oh, anger. This is my favorite part, solving your problems through anger <laughs> and rage. <laughs> it's the pike way. So he's got that figured out, and then his next... Um, and she says, okay, yeah, that's true, but you can't keep it up for very long. So this is them sort of... Says her. Says her, Yeah. <laughs> Well, he I'm doesn't sure actually. It's only worked for some person time. I figured he didn't ask a woman to do it. Yeah. Well, she's also been there for eighteen years. Eighteen it, years. It, that's like a long, very long time to stay angry. I get, I get tired of being angry after about three days. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if a woman had been in retention. The point is though that he's strategizing, and the moment that they hear them strategizing, they change the scene again. Yeah, and so because then, she's like, "This isn't working for you." What will work for you? I know. Apparently, when you dress like Shazam. (laughs) And, uh... So we see him in... I don't think this is a place that he's ever been so much as, like, some stupid... In the fantasy, like, he was the big Don of the place. (laughs) Everyone was like, thanks for inviting me to your sex dance den. Yeah. Also, a Starfleet officer is like, a man could sell his soul. Yeah. It's like, woo! And oh, he, but to be fair, again, he's completely freaked out by this. Like, no, he's going on. He's like, he gets up and runs away. No, 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 no. Okay, so she's doing her sexy dance, which, as an Orion forever. girl, which, yeah, it did. It was like five minutes of her trying I want, to sexy dance. I want to note here that in the, that in this particular fantasy, Vina is portraying an Orion girl, which is the first Orion we see in the entire Star Trek continuum. Also, I still did not understand. Every time we've gone to a new fantasy, it's yeah. taken me like three minutes to figure out it's the same woman. I don't she know looked why. very different when she was painted green. Most yeah. people do. Yeah. In your defense. Um, but yeah, so this is the first time we've seen Orion in the entire Star Trek universe. Which is funnier watching now with the information we get later about the Orions. But in this instance, it's like, I contend he is completely freaked out by this because he gets up and he fucking runs away. Okay. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, he does not. Okay. I, my theory is, and Kim, you can decide which of these is true, is that he is considering it. Mm-hmm. Is that these are all his sexy, dark fancies come to life. And she's, like, shimmying his hips, and he's like, maybe. Like, would this be it so took, bad? It took him, like, five minutes to run away. Yeah, like, I, like, my read on what he was doing was, like, Maybe this wouldn't be so bad after all. I hate being a captain. I'm terrible at it. Except ultimately, he goes, no. And he gets up and he literally runs after out of the room. five minutes, because he can't take it anymore. Because well, he it's knows also not real. And he knows it's not real. He knows, but he's like, oh, sexy dance is real. I also contend that any moral quandaries anybody has in an illusion are meaningless. I think he was definitely putting it under consideration. for Not for the entire thing. I think he ultimately decided that no. Um, but I think he was definitely like, yeah, maybe, maybe living in a living wouldn't be so bad. Okay, but even if that's true, he's completely freaked out when he leaves. 
He's freaked he's out. Horrified. I think he's freaked out at himself that he would consider doing that. Yeah. Kim, your thoughts? I agree with you. Both apply. You couldn't see that, but it was awesome. <laughs> it really, really was. Um, I do have a lot of questions about the outfit, though. He's dressed like a genie. <laughs> he looks like yeah. a genie. He has pointy little shoes, and there's lots of, like, lemon. Yeah, there is so much lemon. I have to admit, I did not notice the outfit, because really? this is about the point it, where It's I a bright really, purple robe. I was fighting not to take a nap, because this scene kept going on and That on is true, it did. It was really long, sexy dance, and there's those two, like, creepers. You're like, who are these assholes? Ladies that we could have sex with. Yeah, that was gross. That was really unsavory. Really, but it's supposed to be like this horrifying thing that no moral person should consider. That's how it's portrayed. I think it did. I said should, not does. I think it's a deep dark fantasy. But that's why they're dark fantasies. They're things you would never really do. Anyway, so he doesn't do that, and so the Trojans are like, "Well, Vina, you tried your sexy best," (laughs) and so they beam down uh, number one and Yeoman Colt Ginger Ginger Yeoman down to kind of give him a little bit more. Diversify yeah. the genetic pool, if you will. If you're not going blonde, we got a brunette and a sexy ginger. Oh my god! Really Actually, is. that seems really funny because they've got like six people and there's four men and two women. I don't. It's Spock and some other guys, and uh, Yeoman Colt and Number One, and they go to beam down. They're like, okay, we're gonna do something. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we'll figure it out. And then they beam, and only the ladies go. And Spock goes, the women. <laughs> That was amazing. I, yeah, that was <laughs> and it takes them a second because the old time transporter effect had a delay, right? So, so they're all holding perfectly still, and they've been gone for like four or five seconds, and then all of them turn and go, oh, "They're gone! <laughs> Whatever shall we do?" And the ladies appear down in the cage, and oh, the ladies God. are really pissed off. They, I'm so sensible. Do they try throwing themselves up against? They the do cage? not. No. no. The worst part of that is Vina going, "Give me more time! I can sex him." Please give me more time. And ladies basically immediately go into problem solving mode. Yeah. Like, they barely acknowledge Vina. They they look at her, they go, You're not gonna be useful, and they immediately start trying to figure out what the doesn't fuck is going on. One of them tried to doesn't she try to throw shade on the ginger one? She does. Well she sort of looks at one and goes, You're not smart enough to have smart babies, and this one might as well be a computer. <gasps> yeah. yeah. And number one throws the most scientific shade I have ever seen anyone throw on Star Trek. I don't remember the exact words, but it's, it's basically like, like so the ship the ship's record. 18 years ago, and, and this sh- is the only lady, like, old. Yeah, so that would make you, and then we cut away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Good shade. So Very good shade. Much. And so they figure out a plan. I, Sketchy on the details. I was halfway napping at this point. I wasn't really paying that much attention, to be honest. Well, Although I did notice that um, Pike manages to grab one of the aliens and pull him in through some sort of doggy door. Okay, I actually have this written down. So it goes, um, let's see. A lot of the conflict from this point on is, is the Telosians increasingly not getting human culture, or at least Federation human culture from this point on. Because well, they, they're they still like. The ship. They, take they take the, the ship. ship and they scan the ship. Yeah. But before before that happens, they're they're standing outside the the cell, like grading the lady, the additional ladies they just kidnapped for him, going, "This one will give you smart children. This one will give you healthy children." Blah blah blah. And ever like the, the the Federation people in the cell get notably more Federation in company with each other, mm-hmm. and the Telosians are still treating them like dumb apes. And the humans are looking at each other, going, "Yeah, this should work. Yeah, I think that'll totally work." And they sort of figure out how to like trick the Telosians into getting into the cell. Yeah. Well, he has to. Feed him, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he because at one point the women have their phasers. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he takes their phasers and he looks at them and it's like they're dead. Number one's like they were fully charged when we came down. Yeah, and t- Pike takes one. He shoots at the 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 window. Yeah, but nothing happens because they're quote dead yeah, unquote. Yeah. And then he goes over to the food door and he starts getting angry, so they can't read his mind. Mm-hmm. And then he drops the phasers next mm-hmm. to the food door. And the way that I interpreted this was that. Uh, he drops them there because obviously they're not really dead. Yeah. Um, and he drops them next to the food door because he knows that the second they're not looking, the aliens will sort of try and take them away because they're actually dangerous, the phasers, because, okay. right? They're only illusory, yes. not working. Yeah. And then the second the aliens do this, Pike grabs the alien and pulls him inside and starts choking it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, hostage. Like, on the, he was, like, on straddling oh, his yeah. chest, yep. hands around the neck, yeah. choking. Like, oh, yeah. You choke the bitch out. Yep. And then the, the Telosian mm-hmm. tries to, like, scare him out of it by turning into a monster, but he's like, yeah, no, turn back. Yeah. And take off the illusion because I'm really sure that I just blew a hole in that fucking wall. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, he he has. and they get him outside and yeah. everything's destroyed because the laser that the ship people are trying to do yeah. actually works. The illusion. I really enjoyed that they get up there and, like, half the elevator. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and number one's that. like, yeah, I knew that would work. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, they're like, okay, well, we cannot stand to be in captivity. So well, yeah, because when they had taken there. over the ship, they went through their library. Yes. And they're like, oh, we didn't realize that humans were so uniquely hateful of captivity. Oh. And my question has always been, who the fuck have you been experimenting on before now? None who of loves other, captivity? None of the other people, because we see other animals in the menagerie seemed really keen to be there. No, no, but like, they're like, oh, well, humans uniquely hate captivity. I'm like, what the fuck kind of thing you're about to say? Most things do. Most things hate captivity. Who have you been kidnapping before now? Yeah. You got the impression that sentient beings were cool with this? Well, the Telosian's plan was to breed pike. Uh, and in breed, now that I think about it. I'm sure they have ways. Yeah, and they should mm, they should have picked up a couple more of them while they're out. Yeah, but because, anyway. the, because the aliens were like, we didn't realize that you guys would rather be dead than be in prison. Yeah, but they're going to breed them for a race of slaves. Yeah. To, because to do physical labor because they were too frail and woman-like. And useless. And also entertainment. Right, yes. And so after they learn, oh, you're just, your hatred of captivity. And they also say specifically, they're like, we didn't realize that you guys would be willing to kill yourselves. To prevent us from creating a slave race. Which is like, you, you didn't? You, really, you didn't? <laughs> and so, they just leave. Well, no, they don't leave. No, they They're let like, them go. Oh, they well, say you can go. go. Away. Yeah. And Pike is like, oh, maybe we could do some trading with you? Yeah, he's still trying to really? be Starfleet. He's, he's, yeah. He's like, he's like okay. establish ties. And they're like... How about now diplomacy? And they're like, no, no, you would just learn our secret powers and become just as bad as us. I'm like, no, well, that's no. you. Okay. Oh, we should leave. It yeah. gets worse. It gets worse. Because then they're like, oh, you're free to go. And he's like, oh, Vina, you should come with us yeah. too. Because you're human. Oh, like, you shouldn't be here. Because you're human. Yep. You're not meant to be. And then they're like. Yeah. Oh, so the ladies go back. Um, and Pike's the only one left on the surface. And this is when he turns to Vina. Yeah, and and this is when he turns to Vina and says, "You should come with us." And he's like, "No, I can't." And then the Telosian explains that 18 years ago she was old, and there was the terrible crash, and they found her, and they didn't know what to do, so they kind of cobbled her back together but again. They didn't know what a human looked like, and she was ugly. Yeah. <sighs> now this has always bothered me. I mean, for the obvious reasons, of course, but also medical science i mean really <laughs> it was the idea that she would rather be yes. young and in ca- young beautiful and captive than 
the, the horridness of being an old, ugly woman and yet have freedom. And, like, she chooses young and pretty. Like, she doesn't lady. choose, really. No. No, because she, she must have Stockholm Syndrome by now. They torture her. Yeah. They have been torturing her for 18 years. Yeah. And Pike's like, oh, it's better this way. Pike's awful. Pike is awful. And so they sent her scampering away um, to, I don't know. I don't even know. Well, it's really weird because the suddenly we're supposed to be like, oh, the explosions are actually generation kind. We just didn't understand. No. No. Not really. And almost to the point where I wonder if they're still influencing them. Because it's such no, it's, it's such a complete turnabout from the way is. that they've been behaving the entire rest of the episode. That they it's become like, captors to these kind of paternalistic aliens who just want the best for Vina because she's like their daughter. Yeah, it's really weird. Whom they have been torturing. Yeah. For each year. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of and this is another one of those places where you're like, I really don't know how that was originally written, but I feel like there's a gap there someplace because it feels really strange and sudden and unexpected and out of nowhere. Comes out of a weird place. No one asks Vina. Pike's like... The other option, of course, is that Vina was complicit the entire time and they did it all to her. No, they no. tortured her. They tortured they her. Torture her a couple of times. And she is... I, I Do they, though? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes she yes. goes, oh, like she's in pain, but we don't actually she know fast. Sure. Yeah. No, I can I scream. Think, I think they definitely torture her. And she really... Well, I'm just saying that that's the only explanation for the sudden turnabout. Because I either they are right. either they are torturous captors or they are paternalistic kind species. You can't have it both ways. I think they try to have it both ways, and they fail to have it one way or the other. They Pike again comes off as a terrible human being. Yeah. Well, he, he's, he's like, oh, she would be ugly. Better that she stay. No uggos in Starfleet. <laughs> it's true. And then we beam back to the ship, and they're back you to normal. What? What? Well, sorry, we're back on the bridge, and then we have that really cringingly terrible super line. Super awkward, where Ginger Yeoman... Oh, super awkward. One Ginger Yeoman walks up ...chastised for being on the bridge mm-hmm. while she's doing a requested task. Her job. Yep. And she asks, which one of us would have been Eve? Yeah. And the number one says, shut up. And then everyone goes, oh, 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 oh. I choose to believe that she was just fucking with him. No. No, she was... I said I choose to believe to do to get through the day. Yeah, but no, she was serious, and that was like, yeah, it was like she was in her workplace asking her boss, "So, which one of us were you gonna bang?" Yeah, not just bang, having a husband wife relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Husband wife relationship. I really would have liked to see the original version, like the original written version of this pilot. It's because a weird combination. Like I know exactly what you're saying, where it's like very early sci-fi, where there's the mm-hmm. sexy, sexy, strong, and there's not guy. a lot of like character development the way that we consider it acceptable levels of character development now. Yes, like because everything is communicated in symbolism and archetypes, and you don't get kitchen table. Well, I mean, even half the characters didn't have names. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Number one, her name is number, number one. one. Yeah. I tried to see like if she had a cat. No, no she, she was just number one. Lieutenant number one. and number one, like lieutenant but, number. Lieutenant number one. Yeah, but, like, the um, hot blonde driver did not back have a name. Again. Um, there was the other one with <laughs> Always the really come terrible, back to him like, acne. Um, he didn't get a name. Nope. The doctor I had to look up, I think he does get a name. He only Yeoman Colt, did she get named? I know she I gets called Yeoman. Don't it's like she J.M. Has a name. She has initials, but not Yeah, I'm like, like no one is anyone. No, other than, like, Chris. And, I mean, like, some of that is just that it was the first episode and they might have gotten to it later, but some of that is just, I think, a lot of, like, 
one or more of the genres that they were modeling it on. It's like, this was like a space opera. There's not a lot of depth to anybody because the point of it is to get through the journey, is to, to get through the plot. It's not to like linger with anybody's feelings. But I don't think that they adequately set up the archetypes correctly. No, we they get, didn't. We because hike. Because it's very patchwork. No one else. No, and it's very patchwork because it didn't know what kind of show that it was yet. Because you get, you know, the the, the, the boring shallow space opera archetype, but you also have that weird conversation. No, but you also get that weird conversation in I mean I'm sorry, I mean archetypes in the sense that they're very shallow and they're there just there to do a yeah, thing. But they're not, like, not to be a characters. not to be a person. No, but but sometimes we also they had, had like um Attributes, yeah, attributes, a bit of but not character, not personalities. I don't know. I think the original but Star Trek does this really good. They really do well. They do because later on they figured out that actually we still want to make a show that people in the '60s want to watch, and this is the kind of thing that they expect from fiction. Which leads us into our first question that I want to pose to Kim: okay. Is this a good pilot? <laughs> no, no, it is not. It is not a good pilot at all. Um, it doesn't intro like I. It doesn't make me want to see more of the characters mm-hmm. uh, because Pike was a douchebag to be mm-hmm. quite frank. Total dick awful. Yeah. The only person that I found compelling that I wanted to learn more about was number one. Yeah. I mean, and I would have, like, would I have gone back if this were airing today? Would I have gone back and watched strictly for number one? Probably not because there was nothing else. There was no, the story wasn't super fantastic. The characters weren't there. The characters is what I would have cared about. Yeah. Like, I will watch terrible plot for characters that I like. That's true. Now, when this was originally showed to NBC, they said that it was too intellectual, <laughs> too cerebral, and they ordered them to redo another pilot. Wow. It was I think never they're crazy. I think I know what they meant, but that is not my criticisms of this episode. <laughs> I mean, a lot of my criticisms come down to it being wildly inconsistent. It's like you can see the things where it's like Gene Roddenberry was trying to say this, but it was so inconsistent and all over the damn place that you couldn't really get anything out of it. I don't know. I mean, what I really focused on for a pilot was how the the yeah, like the the sets and the costuming, mm-hmm. all of that, and the world production values. Yeah, yeah, production values. They felt like for for a pilot. Yeah. It all felt very tied together. The uniforms looked like they'd had some thought put into mm. them. And you had the phasers, and there was the different settings, and the big phaser, and that kind of stuff. And you saw, like, um, communications, and they yeah. had, like, I think they had, like, a tricorder-type deal. And fax machines. Yes, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That the part of it, of the pilot, felt very thought through and put together for more. Mm. Even better than what they do in original series. <gasps> original series, if you watch the uniforms are all over the place, they That's never true. settle yeah. on technology. Like they don't even get they don't get the name of the Federation down for episodes. Yeah, they didn't really have a Bible for that stuff until yeah, next But that that part of the of this being a pilot felt really good to me. Like that yeah. part of the the look of the world mm. I like the uniforms together. It's very odd because for a pilot episode you essentially want to tell a really simple story that clearly introduce who these characters are going to be for the rest of this series. I know we go back to it again, Kim and I talk about this a lot. Stargate Atlantis, um, greatest pilot of all time. Greatest pilot, pilot of all time. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm getting a little down. misty just thinking about it. One of the best pilots but they introduce the characters with very kind of broad strokes. Where you're okay. like, okay, but you get that's the military guy with the slices. You get the base notes. That's the scientist. 
that's the lady boss. Like, you understand yeah. who they are. It's a very simple story yeah. that they tell. Yeah. You don't have to do much in a pilot, but they didn't do really anything. But, and, and, and again, because we always go back to Atlanta, they mm-hmm. set up, they you you get to the new world. You have the problems that set up. And you're you understand mm-hmm. how the world is going to work, and you get, like, an, a really good introduction to the world. Yeah, and they only had, like, five characters that they really they needed. less. I would have said... I don't even know if Spock was at most fun. Like that was odd. Actually, he had a bunch of background stuff they'd cut out. Um, for instance, he Spock, was definitely notable. He was, yeah, yeah. because he looked different pointy ears. Yes, but um, but okay. For instance, so here's some 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 things that were removed. Spock was Spock's the only character that actually survives in yes. Polar and Park. Except in a boat. Woo! Barrett's character thing. number one was of course asked because they were more afraid of a woman officer than uh, people of color or aliens. Apparently mm-hmm. that was just too out there. Um, she remained on the show, though, as Christine Chapel, who was there the entire series. Oh, I love Christine Chapel. Oh, who, so who was the head nurse in sickbay. Consummate sick professional. So she was, <laughs> that is sarcasm, by the way. She was, however, the same rank. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, had a, they had the ranks a little bit more down later on, but not very much. Like, yeah. what rank did what? Like, stuff like head nurse. Yeah, of course she's a lieutenant, obviously. Lieutenant would not have been a first officer later on, but so yeah. Um, Spock, however, it's not really noticeable except a couple of times, but apparently it is in some of the cut-up footage. Spock is limping throughout this episode. I did notice that. Because, there's one scene, yeah. yes, I did notice this because there's one scene, I think it's down on the planet, they're all walking towards something, yeah. and Spock is very obviously limping. And I'm looking at this going, did Leonard Nemo like, tweak his hip or no. something? Like, yeah, it's it was Spock was injured weird. on Rigel. Oh yeah, and we never it never gets mentioned because they cut that out. But there is a lot more backstory that was both written and filmed that just never made it into. Go it. watch it for a fourth time, Korea, and yeah. watch for Spock. <laughs> I was so angry when I had to watch this again because yeah. the first time I watched, it, I was furious, and then I just I was seeing red by the other time. Other interesting thing, today, and it was I love the arms. I love them so much. Oh I loved gosh. how practical I they were. However, um. Ranks and insignia were kept deliberately generic. There's no rank visible on anyone in this episode. They made it deliberately communist. generic. Well, yes, actually. <laughs> you know what? Gene Roddenberry was a communist. It's true. Really? I'm afraid so, yes. I've never heard Well, he meant before. it in, like, 1960s American way. He actually meant socialist, but they used the same word. Can't wait to see those themes emerge in later episodes. Yeah, um, they kept it deliberately generic to convey no need for titles, but this didn't really carry over, of course, into no, the episodes. No, because captains is a captain. Yeah, captain. because they decided it was a lot easier to keep track of if you kept insignia and, and clear yeah. ranks and stuff. It was. It was a lot easier to keep track and understand if you actually have rank. Yeah, no, I mean, even like, when, sorry, just jumping ahead and while I'm thinking about mm-hmm. rank insignia, even on some of the show like Voyager, where you could tell, just yeah. from looking at rank insignia, who was the Starfleet and who was the Maquis, they very deliberately had different, yeah. different rank insignia, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, the, title of the, the title of the episode was actually created by fans, um, because the original title of this episode was The Menagerie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, um, oh, yeah. It got used in the recut. So yeah, fans yeah. called it something else on the internet and in fanzines for years and years. And when they released it, it was officially made the cage when they put it on like DVDs and put Wait, it on television. If we're doing this, this means I have to watch the menagerie, which means I will watch this episode. We can fast forward through all the cut bits. Yeah. Uh, the pilot was killed partly officially <laughs> because, like Crane Poor said, Crane. too cerebral and too intellectual. It was Poor also way. too erotic. Because <laughs> that, that is not erotic. No, no, no. no. Not They're not talking erotic. about the Orion slave girl. 
Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was not wrong. No, no. To be fair, for the 1960s, that was probably like straight up showcase porn. Yeah, shimmy. Like, there's a little bit of pressure. Oh, for me, um, erotic like, and sexy are not the same thing. Like, reclining sexually. <laughs> oh my god, that was much more wrong. That was much more wrong. I'm not going to go like, I'd like to feel all that. <laughs> later on, yeah. So later on, the production team used two se- This I always thought was awesome. Um, the production team used, quote, too sexy, unquote, as a weapon. They would give the um, censors sex to cut out so that they could slip other things in under their radar. How interesting. Um, for instance, the Vietnam War allegory in A Private Little War, which is a blatantly obvious allegory yeah, yeah, yeah. now. But apparently you just seen Shatner fondling his chest and singing, I'm too sexy. Mm. Also, Susan Oliver, who played Nina, was yeah. a real pilot. Really? In the real world. She set five world records and portrayed Amelia Earhart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would give the best performance of the episode to her. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good. Her, her she had the most nuance. Her and Majel Barrett were very good. Majel Barrett didn't have much to do, like, much, as much to say. But no. I, she what Majel Barrett did with her face. Yeah. She was such a great face. face. Yeah. 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 That was I the hardest part to watch. Like, that's the part that I connected with on an emotional level. Was when he's like, oh, you're just too important to bring with me. Pat, pat, and then walks off, and her face, yeah. like, it says everything. She was amazing. Yeah. Here's another thing I want us to watch out for in later episodes, because as I mentioned earlier, Roddenberry wanted every wanted every scene to be 50-50 gender split when mm-hmm. it was on the ship, and NBC said no, because they'll the audience will think they're just fooling around in space, and so they said it has to be two-thirds men, one-third women. I want to see if he kept to that by the numbers, because it seems like the spiteful kind of something that Roddenberry would have done. I don't know. I haven't even say no. I don't well, I don't think it's gonna be that split, but what I But no like per episode. Yeah, no, I don't yeah. think it will be. I think we won't we'll find it's not. But what I what I work it's been a while since I've watched the original series, but I have a very strong recollection of a lot of the female characters, like the one offs who show up per episode yeah. are professional ladies yes. and are like yes. doctors and hardcore yeah, yeah, yeah. scientists. Yeah. Yeah. Which almost all of them. Which is which yeah, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeffrey Hunter, you will notice, um, Pike's Christian with Pike, does not appear in the <laughs> What a shame. Except in a box, which feels uh Love Pike in a box. Is a box. Um yeah, so he was in a contract that essentially said if the series was picked up that he would have to stay as a captain. But because they trashed this pilot and essentially said start from scratch, he got out of his contract and they got Shatner and said, which I, I feel... Thank God. Bullet dodged. It's less move. <laughs> yes. And I don't know whether it's just the character. I think Jeffrey Hunter is fine. I'm sure he's fine. He's handsome and attractive in the 1960s star, by the way. He was not a sympathetic character, though. No. He did no. not portray a sympathetic no. anything. No. And Shatner was very good at that. Shatner is very charismatic. He is incredibly I, I charismatic. I didn't, I didn't this guy was not. Happened. Like, Pike was not. No, I didn't understand why we were kept drawing themselves out of him. No. Uh, Except that the script told them to, but I couldn't think of another yeah. reason. Okay, so if I really have to. Which brings me back, and I'm pretty sure, even though this is called Not So Much the Neutral Zone, is that we're all going to agree on this one. Is Pike a good captain? No. No. He doesn't even want to be captain. No, he was straight up. I'm gonna quit. <laughs> I think he, he it's needs too hard. It is hard. He did get everyone killed. Um, do I have to be captain today? Is he a good leader? We only see him in this specific instance. Like he's well. Smart. The only other evidence we have of his leadership in the past is him getting a bunch of people killed on a mission that, as By far as we know, Viking. 
yeah, that as far as we know, from what we actually see, really shouldn't have happened. It was probably his fault. And he's like, oh, well, I should have known. And the doctor's like, oh, well, you couldn't have known. But you should have known! known. (laughs) Like, when you go into a creepy abandoned castle where there's a whole bunch of dead bodies around... Yeah, that's kind of like a red flag to me. I don't know about you. Take the hint. The roaring also was kind of a clue. Why not just leave? Like, that's a guy who did not look like... He didn't look like he could run very fast. No. Why didn't they just book it out of there? I never got that. Yeah, but no, for me, the part that to, to decide whether or not is Pike a good captain or not is the getting the distress call and being like, <laughs> well, no, yeah, they're on a mission it. of mercy. No, I'm okay. No, I totally, I get this. I get this well, for the explained it's a, reasons. Not on a human level, but I understand it, it on a... It wasn't like they were going to, like, get these crew members to save their lives because they were actively bleeding. No, they're delivering, like, medical supplies. They're on a, and I quote, they actually say, they say, quote, on a mission of mercy. They were going Which to, means you know, it's an emergency. I understood as they were just going to be swapping out the injured crew That's not what Mission of Mercy means. I, I'm with Kim on this and one. So they, they say word for word. I don't know. No, I'm with Kim. That's, no, that's Yeah, and so that's what that's what, what decided for me is, like, is he a good captain or not? Is there is the potential that there are people they do this plot line again. who are in distress who have been stranded on this, and yeah. you didn't take any actions to try and actually fight it. They're already on their way to an emergency. Did, Did he scan? They send they send a thing to see if they get a confirmation. He's like, until we actually get a confirmation, we're not altering course because we are on. Is and I quote, I thought, if we get something else, if we get a confirmation, but they're already on their way to an emergency. Ethical dilemma has been played. They do it like six other times. times track. Yeah, like you've got someone who could need aid, but you have a pressing engagement elsewhere. Kirk, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk. Oh, Picard does a ton of times too. A lot, too. a lot, because they are often on missions of mercy. They are often like rescuing colonists or delivering emergency medical yeah. supplies or whatever. To be fair, if you were on your way, make a pit stop for that guy killed his friend one time. No, he leaves the ship and goes off on his own. He doesn't completely divert. We'll the burn ship. that bridge when we get to it, Ken. We will burn that bridge. Uh, I, I don't think he's a good captain because he's not a very nice person. You don't need to be a nice person to be a good captain. You I would argue be... Janeway is not a nice person. No, no she's not a nice no. person. No. She's, she's not. She's empathetic. She's a captain. You don't have to be sympathetic, but you have to be empathetic. And Pike is really not. I don't know that you need to be... You are responsible for the welfare of your crew. You're responsible for their welfare, but you need to be above the emotions you still have of to care a regular though, person. And he doesn't seem to. I don't know that he yeah he doesn't care about people he's not really put in a position to care about them um he's put in a survival situation where he's trying to get out of it yeah but that's not all what starfleet is no but hopefully that is very little of what starfleet is on a regular basis part of being a captain is always thinking about the entire ship as a ship i think he starts not the emotions of individual people like Janeway, eventually, because she gets to know them and their family, whatever, I would have like cares you know, about the people, but she is above what they care about. Well, all that means is that you can make sacrifices on behalf of the greater good. Yes, but the only information that we get about Pike is he sucks at that. Like he makes bad decisions and he gets people killed. I don't know that he makes a lot of bad decisions. Rigel Seven, as we see it, is a bizarre situation. It is. Like, it but again, make that's all sense. we get, so it's really hard to judge. And. I mean, he doesn't really spend a lot of time in the episode with anyone on the ship. No. Except no. for his sexy doctor friend. Yeah. Over martinis. <laughs> I can't get over the fact what kind of medicine is that? The doctor just shows up and they lounge around sexually drinking martinis. Oh. I'm trying to gauge this on the responsibility scale against hiding bottles of whiskey in suits of armor, McCoy. But that's responsible. Actually, no, that was Scott. 
Was Scott hiding the whiskey? Of course it was Scott hiding the whiskey. Bones doesn't share his whiskey. <laughs> no, but it, it's just, it's odd again for a pilot episode where the captain just spends so much time away from yeah. his ship and yeah. his crew. So we yeah. don't understand how he feels about the ship. Like you, you, The only information we get about him as captain is, I don't like my job anymore. Yeah. You know, I think that's enough, though. If you don't want to be a captain, you're probably not a good captain. Yeah. You have to want that's to be true. a captain to do the job properly. Because captains are captains. Yeah. They're not, I mean, Picard is Picard, but he is a captain, first of all. Yes, that's, that's who she is. is captain, that is their identity, yeah. and he just could be elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So we're coming down on yeah. a no with this, then. Yeah, so I think it's a pretty firm no. <laughs> yeah, so here's an, it, this is going to be a more important question later, but um, casualties. None in this episode. Not a single one. That's a rarity. Um, Except for all the people who died in that uh, ship that crashed. Before, before it's before I think stuff that happened. They probably would have gotten old and ugly, so it's kind of yeah. like, wow. They're better off this way. Yeah. So like the lesson that we learned from this episode is that it is better to be young, beautiful, and have Stockholm syndrome. I don't know. Kidnapped. Problem solving through rage. Problem That's solving what I rage. I do not read it that way at all. I get the absolute opposite inference from that because they use rage in a clinical way to outthink someone. Um, I think the lesson that I learned, let me see if I have a direct quote quote from the Telosian. She has an illusion and you have reality. May you find your way as planned. Oh yes, this is a creepy thing that I almost <laughs> forgot the first time, is that Pike leaves, and they not only give her back her illusion of youth and beauty, they give her an illusion, illusion Pike. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Right? That was Because awful. we see her, ugly Vina, and then we go back to Pike, and then we go back to her oh, again, and she's young and pretty, oh. and they've given her an imaginary Pike. Apparently, I that I have her I thought it three times. Yeah, so, uh, oh okay, Lord. that's extremely uncomfortable. So they create her her very own sex toy. The important, the another important thing to note is that they leave this planet and they basically, like, blackball it for the rest of time. They're not wrong. No, they're basically like, no ship come near this, and not only no ship come near this, but it's a crime, because when this comes up later in the Menagerie, which didn't get aired until there was a writer's strike, by the way, this is how much they never wanted this to see the light of day again, um, they basically, um... Spock, for reasons that will be explored when we eventually get to that episode, turns the ship towards Talos, and the Federation's like, um, you're going to jail forever because that's a terrible crime. And then we have to go into why it's a terrible crime. So Starfleet was so embarrassed by this entire episode in their history, they decided to pretend it never happened. And so should we. So that comes yeah. to our last question of, would you recommend watching this episode? No, you're fine. No. I, no I made fine. it this long without watching it, and I was better for it. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a piece of Star Trek history, after you finish watching oh, yes. all the Star Trek, yeah. you could go back to this I say and go, treat this oh, okay. the way that I treat the original Stargate movie, i.e. it's better if you've seen all of the Stargate television series franchise and only watch the movie as though it were a terrible documentary of the series. Yeah. I can appreciate this as a piece of like Star Trek history sure. and mm-hmm. the fact that it still exists and a film still history thing. to enjoy, like to, to watch is yeah. really great. And like I said... I love the, you know, you can start seeing the, the visual aesthetic of the Federation. And a little bit of the world building. But as an episode of television, mm-hmm. it was not good. And as an not episode good. of Star Trek, as yeah. a part of what Star Trek became later, it is not a good example at all. So, well, this is setting up a bad precedent. For it gets better. a television show called Not So Much, or a podcast called Not So Much The Neutral Zone. Uh, so, yeah. That's a warning, not like a rule. <laughs> It's a guideline, Chris. It's probably the first time that we're going to agree about anything. 
Star Trek. Um, but thank you very much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed our... I don't even know what to call it about the cage. Well, we don't expect you to enjoy the episode. <laughs> no, but enjoy the podcast. Mm. Um, and thank you for joining us for our first episode. Farewell. See you next time. Bye.